Hello, everyone, and welcome to the At Women's Research podcast. Today, we are going to be talking the TikTok um, and all things relevant to our research community. I am joined here today. I am Nicole Presley. I'm the Manager of Research and Knowledge Translation at the Women's Health Research Institute. Uh, I will be your co-host. Um, I am joined here today by um, my co-host, Melissa Nelson, uh, who is the WHRI Communications Coordinator, and uh, Bryn Lavery, who is from the UBC Sexual Health Research Lab, uh, which is led by Dr. Lori Brado, and Bryn is the Communications Coordinator. So today, we wanted to start with sort of a TikTok 101. Um, I have heard, I am a Xennial, I have heard that TikTok is very popular. I have seen sort of the Instagram attempt um, with, you know, the reels, and I'm curious about it. And um, I imagine our research community is, is curious about it, and how they may be able to use it to engage with stakeholders, disseminate their findings all of those sort of important aspects of knowledge translation when it comes to research. And so, I mean, my first sort of question, because I'm not an expert in this, is what is TikTok? And, and I'll, I'll look to either of you um, to see if one of you wants to pick up uh, an attempt at the first answer. Hey, hi, uh, my name is Bryn, and thank you so much for that introduction, Nicole. Um, I use she, her pronouns, um, and I will, to the best of my ability, try to explain TikTok. Um, so uh, TikTok was, is a platform that used to be called Musical.ly, um, and it was uh, bought by TikTok, um, and the essential like premise of the platform is short form videos. And that is the feed that you essentially see. Um, so the, the, the like posts that come up on somebody's timeline is just, they're all, they're all short videos. Um, and so I believe it originally started with Musical.ly as five second videos. And then with TikTok, they increase the time limit to 10 second, then 30 second, then one minute videos. And now TikTok has all the way up until I think it's five minute videos that they can have on the platform. So uh, yeah, and people just search search through videos um, and you can really get into like so many different like communities uh, on the TikTok platform. And it is really a hub for the younger generation now, the Gen Zs. It's so funny because I, I'm sort of laughing to myself over here, Bryn, because I remember, you know, thinking that we as the research community creating these knowledge products needed to create, you know, 20 minute videos. And I'm hearing you talk about a five minute video being this super long stretch of, you know, uh, a production. Um, so that, that just just immediately tells me sort of where things are going with respect to being able to deliver information in a, a concise um, and digestible way. Oh, yeah. I mean, having videos, like, the shorter, the better. I even mm -hmm. notice myself using the TikTok platform. Sometimes I can see if it's, like, a three-minute video. I'm like, nope, this is too long. <laughs> so <laughs> short is ideal, punchy, 
uh, any way to grab your attention in the shortest amount of time possible. And it, it, does it operate the same way? Are there ways to, you know, search within it or follow certain people? Or do you sort of rely on an algorithm to expose you to certain things? So great question. It's absolutely both. Mm. Um, so the, it is structured like a kind of like an Instagram where you can find and explore uh, different creators, different communities. You can explore by hashtag uh, to get into those different communities as well. Um, you can follow creators, uh, stay updated on their posts. Um, but then one thing that's pretty notorious about TikTok is the algorithm and uh, the way the algorithm for TikTok works is that um, it will start just as soon as you sign up for the, the, the platform, it'll start showing you different videos and it basically learns what videos you like by what you engage with, how long you watch certain videos and pretty quickly it learns what you wanna see and it will show you more of those videos. Both your and Melissa's eyes look <laughs> like it, it. I'm reading this almost a startling um, response to how good their algorithm is. <laughs> but tell me if I'm reading that correctly. <laughs> I mean, I can jump in here. This is Melissa. I also use she, her pronouns. Um, I should also say, I, I think I... I think I could call myself like a self-proclaimed TikTok addict. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's the one thing that really, for me, stands out between TikTok and other platforms like Instagram that, as Nicole already mentioned, have kind of tried to adopt some of the ways that TikTok is succeeding um, with the reels and stuff like that, but it's just really unmatched. Like there are a lot of videos that come up on my For You page or in um, comment sections on TikTok, they're like, wow, <laughs> the, the kind of joke is TikTok really said for you, um, which is like the video is just so spot on. It could have been made by you. Like it's really quite incredible um, how quickly it, ad it adapts. Um, so actually, I guess for you, Bryn, um, something I'm really curious about is as a research lab, obviously there's like a bit of a predicament there maybe or like a bit of tension between finding ways to hop on these trends that are that are performing well on TikTok, but then also sort of maintain a level of professionalism or um, academic integrity. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about the like content curation and creation process for the lab? Yeah, I will do my best. So Melissa, as you said, you are a self-proclaimed TikTok addict, and I myself have become a self-proclaimed TikTok addict. And in order to create content that really connects with your audience, you do have to be quite informed of what is going on on TikTok, what trends are currently happening, um, 
the, I guess, I don't know what you'd call it, like maybe like inside jokes, um, qu quotation marks of TikTok that are, that are currently going around. Um, and you kind of capitalize on those by creating videos on, on that content. So one thing that's really popular on TikTok is to use certain sounds that are trending. So a lot of the time people will, um, in the, the videos that they record themselves, they will include a sound from the TikTok platform. Um, and these sounds are another way for people to find different videos that they um, that may suit their interests or they like, or to, to kind of get on these trends. So, uh, it's a really great way to um, kind of use these sounds and adapt it to your own content. Uh, some of them are a little bit more serious. Some of them are really silly and goofy and you kind of really need to see a bunch of videos to understand the context. So one way that we've really been able to reach a, a large audience um, is by using these sounds and adapting them to our own research. So um, a certain sound with like something about our, you know, like one of our research studies that we have going on will like include in, in a, a caption or write some text on the screen. Um, and then, so yeah, using, using that sound really to our advantage and manipulating it to be applicable to our own research and it, it does, it, sometimes it does kind of like, you know, um, it does get a little bit complicated with adhering to our like own integrity principles because a lot of the things that are trending on TikTok are not safe for academia, I'll say. Um, so I, you know, try to be pretty, um, I try to I try to choose content carefully. Um, I will choose things that uh, do try to uphold our integrity as a lab as much as possible. Try not to include things that have uh, swearing in it. Um, tr I try to think about like, well, if somebody at UBC saw this video, would they be okay? Would they, you know, would they cringe? But like, would they be okay with what we're we're putting out there? Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, going back to Melissa's question about this balance and, and talking about the trends, you know, my, my exposure to TikTok was really the butterboard phenomenon, you know, I think just before the Christmas break, and I thought that looks delicious. Um, <laughs> and, and something that I've heard is that it's just these trends kind of happen and they have a shelf life and then they are gone. And so I'm curious, even just thinking about, so, so there's the appropriateness with the content and then there's the, you know, what, what do you do in it? Do you always try to align it with a certain trend? Do you have these moments where, you just acknowledge that there is a trend that doesn't quite align, but you're going to get content out anyway. So yes, for a, the majority of our videos, I'd say we try to align it with a trend. But so then... do you have one with a butterboard is what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any butterboard content yet, but this is now planting some seeds in my mind that maybe 
We're going to we bring this trend back. <laughs> butter boards, charcuterie boards. I've seen hummus boards now. So See? I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was really a digression. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I totally forgot your question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. We're human. And I totally, I, 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 you know, I diverted the conversation. Um, yeah, this sort of, you know, decision-making around it, if you want to get content out and you don't see a natural alignment with a trend, mm, whether right. it's music or whether it's, you know, an activity or something, do you still get it out? And I guess, you know, what considerations go into the, I'm going to produce content for this? So, yes, sorry. Uh, so I, we do try to get the content. Uh, we tr do try to have our content align with um, trends that are going out for the majority of our videos. But then there are certain videos that uh, we don't follow trends for. So, for example, um, if, uh, you know, Dr. Brado wants to make a video on like a specific like topic around uh, our sex research, or if um, you know maybe there's not trending on TikTok, but if there's something that's coming out in the news that is related to our research that we can make a video on. Um, like I, I made a video, um, I think it was in the summertime about. Um, how the new uh, Canadian census included information on uh, trans and non-binary individuals. Uh, so I just created a video explaining uh, that a little bit more. Um, and so while that wasn't, I didn't follow a trend, we didn't use a specific trending sound, that video still did relatively well because it was a uh, something that had come out in the news and something that uh, we could really like break down into a short uh, video that was of interest to people. So we kind of like pick and choose, I'd say probably 75% of our, maybe more 75% of our content is um, to do with those trends and the other percentage, uh, we try to have uh, more original, innovative content. I can maybe just jump in as like a user of TikTok because something I've noticed that's kind of interesting is if you search for a topic, um, so when I was looking into applying for schools, I was searching for people's experiences of like taking my degree and the videos have rarely changed when I enter that search. So I'm not entirely sure how they're ranking things, but even going and searching that topic, the videos could be a year or two old and I interact with them. And then that amazing algorithm swoops in <laughs> and suddenly my for you page has content related to what I was searching for. And I've noticed that across different topics um on TikTok and there isn't I, I, to my knowledge there isn't really a lot known about how that's functioning publicly anyway but it might be another little um bit of hope for teams who are a little bit leery of jumping on trends and like hunting down trending sounds and things like that um particularly if you know like to put the keywords into your caption or something like that um yeah yeah, that's a really good point, Melissa. So knowing that there's sort of a legacy or a footprint that you'll leave, regardless of whether it performs really well in that sort of uh, short-term um, sense versus, yeah, down the road as people join TikTok, they may want to, they're new to the to the platform and trying, or they have a new interest. Um, yeah, and so keywords, that's a really good, um, really good suggestion. 
Yeah, you could uh, you could create an account and start searching butterboards, and in no time, <laughs> just be my my whole entire for you page. Uh, I, I will also note that um, for videos like that that aren't following those trending sounds, a lot of the time what matters is how you film the video, then uh, potentially even like what's in the content. Um, if you film, uh, you know, like this. The, the generation that's on TikTok, they want to be pulled in immediately. So they don't want any pauses. They don't want any breaks. Um, how you edit a video and your presence in a video can really make a difference in your reach as well. So if you're just talking about something, like people will just sit down and talk about their days or tell a story or something like that. And as long as they're, you know, animated and they are like using lots of like cuts in their video um, or, you know, like trying to, to, to just be like as like engaging as possible. You can really turn um, any topic into something really interesting that somebody will want to watch. Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. I know at the beginning you said, Nicole, a lot of people in the past have had this trend of doing like even even less than 20 minute knowledge products, even like five minute knowledge products. Like we already knew from YouTube stats, a minute and a minute and a half tended to be like a pretty steep drop-off rate in those um in those shorter videos. Or it would be like just before all of the resources at the end of a video because the content had actually stopped. But it really is incredible <laughs> when you're on TikTok, like Bryn said. If you see a three minute video and it's not it's not the right pace, it's not the right energy, um, it could it just it's like TikTok alters your brain. <laughs> it just feels like it's a million years long. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'll even scroll through to the end. And I don't know what that's saying about how this app is changing all of us, but again, I don't think it's just us. It's like the comments on millions of these TikToks, it's like people even um, talking about their transition from YouTube to TikTok and how like there just isn't as much of a payoff in producing YouTube content anymore. Um, so it is really interesting. Um, and I think that that's a really great take home message for people who are producing things outside of the app, um, just thinking about how they can make sure that they really get the message home as quickly and efficiently as possible. I can hear your graduate studies coming through, Melissa, in the information-seeking behavior. <laughs> How is this conditioning us? Or, yeah, is it just TikTok or is it just we've changed over time? Um, <laughs> it's it's that, true, though. Yeah, I mean, even, even thinking about, like, I could search. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a health-related example. Like, you could search up symptoms of somebody give me a health condition <laughs> symptoms of endometriosis symptoms of endometriosis you could search that on google and you could go through you know 10 20 like web articles about it and take the time and and try to apply it to yourself or you could go and search that on tiktok and have somebody tell you about it and their own personal experience in like 30 seconds um and a lot of the times like it's a, i i think anyway it's a lot easier to hear it from somebody else's mouth rather than in the kind of like clinical terms on a website that's a great point cuz i've 
heard that this, like the younger generation, instead of using Google, they will search on TikTok like you would on Google. So a lot of organizations and a lot of like uh, like research organizations that would you know normally post their information through a website on Google, they're just not getting that younger generation because that's not the platform that the younger generation is on anymore. So really like adapting to where the younger generation is, is really key to making sure you get your information out there. This is maybe one last plug to my uh, grad studies, but I think it's just an interesting example as well. Like I was working on an assignment um, and I was interested in how like voice assistants, so like Google and Siri and Alexa impact search behavior. And there's tons of research out there on how um, toddlers and young kids use them and they understand them completely differently and like what they should be capable of in comparison to adults using them. So again, I think just (laughs) this is just such an interesting time because uh, we have so many people online and so many different avenues for people to find information online and so many different mechanisms to actually access that information online. So um, there are so many different ways that you could look at that and and try to optimize your efforts to reach um, your knowledge users. Wow. That it's, it's, it's wow to think about that. And the fact that even just like where you start is so important to consider what the even quality of the information might be and how to filter out miss or disinformation from, you know, what you, what may come up in your, for you page. <laughs> um, wow. The, it, it, so Bryn, a couple of the things, you know, you've given some good feedback on video creation and sort of being succinct and having that grab at the, at, at the start and getting someone's attention. And, and it got me thinking about video creation. And, you know, when we create these longer informational sort of whiteboard style videos, there's, you know, a whole process that we follow with, you know, external partners and contractors and, um, what, what, what's your process? Do you have, you know, I'm thinking, is there a script? Is there a, you, you, you were talking about editing. Um, yeah. Walk us through. What do you do? So most of what I have learned is through just absorbing what I see on, on TikTok as well. And, you know, like taking taking some videos that have been like really popular and seeing like, okay, what what is this person doing that is so compelling for them to like get so many views? And so um, for, like I'll say for the, the videos that where we're not necessarily like following a sound or something like that, or like the videos where, um, for example, I'm just talking, I will try to model what I do after um, like another like creator that I've seen um, and kind of like learn what is uh, the most catchy, um, I guess. So oftentimes that would involve me <laughs> taking many videos and piecing them together um, or doing many takes. Um, 
and and just trying to see and maybe like watching it back myself like if I were to just happen upon this on the TikTok timeline do I think I would stay around for what I'm saying um and so just kind of like taking that like kind of introspective uh look at the video um I will also run it by um some other people <laughs> oftentimes my partner is the first one to see most of our TikTok videos and I ask him like what do you think of this video yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes he's even filmed some videos for me and so just having another perspective um as somebody who himself is on TikTok really does help to see like if there are any modifications that need to be made um and then for the, the some of the trending sounds um I'll usually uh, how I go about creating a, a video for those is I'll usually find a sound that I think would fit our branding um, as a lab, or I think would fit uh, like one of our um, like uh, research projects or something that we are currently going on or one of our research topics, um, and then trying to modify the text that'll overlay on top of it to fit that. So I'll usually record the video. So I'll have to record a video of myself, whether that's like lip syncing the, the words that are in the sound or performing an action. I'll usually uh, record myself doing that. And then I'll take some time to think about how I can make this video applicable to our research. So, okay, I have two questions for you, but the first is, um, I know you said that like you spend a lot of time on TikTok trying to absorb what's going on and like how people are making this work. Um, are you doing that like through the labs account or do you go external to it and like also look at your partners? Like, I'm just wondering how much of it is filtered out by like the, the, the lab bubble, if you know what I mean. That's a good question. Uh, so I do it exclusively through the lab's TikTok account and uh, it has now become my TikTok account because of that. Um, so it is definitely filtered, whether intentionally or unintentionally through my own gaze and interests. Um, and I always joke that I don't want anybody from the lab seeing the videos that come up on my For You page because you know that algorithm is quite strong and and some things that i don't even realize that i'm i'm engaging with are coming up on the page and i'm like oh i forgot this is my labs account um but yeah i i will actually the, it, uh, to your other point about looking at other people's um for you pages uh sometimes i will mention to like my partner or friends like oh did you see this thing on TikTok?" and they will say no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting because it, it does show you how much of a bubble you can get into just by going through um, your own TikTok or, or having that own, your own um, like algorithm basically just catered to you. Yeah, that is, that is wild. I kept getting all of the, this is you as a baby <laughs> TikToks. And nobody else in my life knew. And I was like, every other video is, we'll have to show it to you, Nicole. <laughs> yes, you. there's there's a lot of uh, videos on TikTok where you say something like that. And somebody else is like, I, I don't even know the words that are coming out of your mouth right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, on uh, Sort of related to that. So um, I know you said sometimes you'll just like lip sync and then find a way to apply that to 
something that the lab is doing. But I'm curious if there's like a time limit that you set for yourself, because I saw a really great TikTok actually not too long ago of somebody analyzing a brand's account and saying like, this was super high production. Obviously they put a lot of effort into it, but it came out like three weeks too late and nobody's going to see it now. <laughs> um, and I know we've, we've already sort of talked about that timeline thing, maybe not being all, all that relevant, but I'm just curious if you actually kind of keep tabs on that and decide to just abandon something if it's passed. Yeah, so sometimes I will, um, like I'll try to stay as current on, on trends as possible. Uh, but, you know, I, I do only work for the lab Mondays and Fridays. And so within that, like, kind of time constraint, like, I, you know, I may, in theory, like, if I start recording a video on Monday, and then I finish it on Friday, like, it could be that the trend is already kind of over its peak. So in, in instances like that, I, I kind of just think like, okay, well, you know, it, the trend may be past its peak, but I think for our purposes and our audience, like it can still reach some people. So I will usually just go ahead and post it. Um, there have been instances where I have recorded videos. Like if you see my drafts and TikTok, I have about 50 unposted videos just in drafts um, where I have just completely abandoned the video because the trend is over or I couldn't, um, maybe I couldn't think of like a way to adapt it to our research in time. And now I think it's, or like the trend has, one thing that happens a lot with TikTok too is the trend adapts. And so um, the trend has like adapted into something else. It has a different meaning now, um, or the the sound that was originally popular has now kind of morphed into something else. Somebody has added on to the sound. So if some, if an instance like that where the sound that I was using is no longer the the sound to be using, I will usually abandon the video. My word. I like I'm just I mean I I use social media I'm getting overwhelmed just hearing about this living organism of a social media platform and the the pragmatist in me has to ask the question how much time does this all take to because it, it sounds like it's not it, it's not just about production you have to understand things you have to understand the trends at the time um and and yeah the production itself mm -hmm. I spend way more time on TikTok than I'd like to admit <laughs> um it did it was initially as uh kind of more doing research on the platform and then I just started to like TikTok as a platform and now I just you know that is like one of my social media platforms that I use um but in terms of uh cre like creating the content it can really depend because you do have to stay updated on the trends and um you do have to like know when they adapt and know like stay updated on the language that's used even on by yeah. people on the platform. Um, yeah, some some videos that I'll make will take hours and, you know, the performance is mediocre. And one of our most popular videos took me five, maybe five minutes to make. 
and uh, we have over half a million views on that one and it's it's just me basically like you can see half my face in the video and i'm pretending like i'm texting and i just put some text over top of it and took me no time at all to make i didn't think it was going to perform well but again, one of our most popular videos. So it's so unpredictable um, in terms of time in and um, like what you get out engagement. of it sometimes. Yeah. Yes, engagement, thank you. Is that the, what is it called? The response cycle or the desire cycle yes. video? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I just typed uh, a little bit on um, the uh, circular model of sexual response by Rosemary Basson. Um, just a little paragraph on it. Tried to make it a little bit like funny and quirky. I didn't think anybody was going to get it. And people were like, oh my God, like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Or like, this is so funny. Or like this, uh, this is so relatable. And I'm like, "How? <laughs> this is so niche. But apparently I found a community of people who this really <laughs> connects with. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so tell me then impact, what, what are, so, so you're spending the time, you're doing the things, what, what, what are you seeing as far as impact goes? So, uh, kind of like I mentioned, it's, it's really hit or miss on, um, the impact that certain videos have. So, uh, for, um, for some of our videos, um, and so for perspective right now, we have about 4,000 followers, I think, on TikTok, or somewhere between four and 5,000 on TikTok currently. Um, and because of the way that the algorithm is uh, set up, uh, a lot of our views come from uh, the For You page that we've mentioned before. So they'll go onto other people's um, timelines because of the sound that we use, because of the hashtags that we use, um, because of any number of reasons, essentially. It's a little bit mysterious sometimes how the TikTok platform works, <laughs> as Melissa mentioned. Um, so a lot of our views do come from people who just happen across our video on the, the For You page. Um, and so, it, it, again, it is like uh, unpredictable, but um, Yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't I don't know. No, so so is the goal is is the goal for for the lab and sort of the work that you're doing is it let's get out there and let's make sure that sexual health information is evidence-based? Is it we want, you know, to foster a community of evidence-based sexual health information? Is there like a linkage to the website or other communities that I'm trying to think of sort of the metrics that matter both within TikTok, but also outside of TikTok that sort of justify, okay, how can we say, yes, let's ask Bryn mm. <laughs> to, to go on TikTok, be the eyes and ears of TikTok and also our sole producer. Mm -hmm. So actually, as of recently, um, we do have a second person who has helped us with the creation of our TikTok videos. Her name is Hannah, and she's been doing a fantastic job um, helping increase the quantity of videos that we've been getting out um, because my time 
has been limited uh, in the lab. She's really provided like a, just a, like a great help in like focusing just on TikTok because we have noticed that um, we get the the greatest reach on TikTok, and that's one of the main things that that drives us to continue with TikTok is the reach that our videos get. Um, and for me personally, seeing the, the the comments on some of our videos, like the comments on on videos that do get a lot of views um, on like specific topics that we, uh, you know, like the specific topics that we have in, in our research that are maybe like a little bit more stigmatized um, in terms of maybe like sexual desire. Like we'll we'll talk about normalizing low sexual desire and somebody or or talking a lot about um, responsive sexual desire and somebody will comment on a video like that being like oh my god I had no idea this was a thing this describes me perfectly I you know felt so ashamed of this like for so long or I had no idea that there were other people that experienced this same thing and so seeing the individual impact that some of our videos can have on people really motivates me to continue making this content because I feel like I like the reason why I've been with the lab for over five years is because I really feel like our research is impactful um, and you know getting that research out there is extremely important to me and and trying to uh, you know hopefully change other people's lives for the better because of what we study is my main goal I guess and so I, I've just found that that's been so uh that's been so prevalent on TikTok from like the comments and the views that we get wow it sounds like the yeah the videos are just so validating people are feeling seen and um and you're you know you're generating awareness of um of real health topics and to your point about yeah stigma that's that's wonderful Bryn the, the the stigma piece is is really um, interesting, like because I know that with some of the other social media platforms, you know, certain words have been blocked um, or considered. You know, even just the word vagina. I remember, you know, Dr. Jen Gunter's book promotion went upside down because vagina was considered a taboo. Um, or like an inappropriate word for for social media have you is is that similar on tiktok or is it a bit more accepting with respect to um yeah terms within even just the sexual health research space so definitely when i start when we started with tiktok um about a year and a half ago now i felt as though or it definitely seemed like the uh, TikTok platform was more heavily censored. Um, and so it would censor out videos or um, words like vagina um, or words like sex. And so that's why in a lot of our videos, we would have to often get around that censorship by writing sex in different creative ways. So one that we used a lot was S-E-G-G-S, so segs. <laughs> But, you know, anyone who was reading it could tell that we meant sex. <laughs> but you you do have to get a little bit creative with it. Um, I don't know if it's it's more recently that the TikTok, or that TikTok has been um, loosening some of its censorship or maybe 
I'm just learning a little bit more about how to to navigate it and kind of understanding how other people navigate it. I feel like the censorship has maybe relaxed a little bit um, or like the the space that I'm in is more for adults, I guess. And maybe that's TikTok is like, okay, sure. If they're all adults on this space, then you know, maybe it's okay. Melissa, I don't know if you've maybe found something similar, or maybe this is just a, a fever dream I'm having. Or... <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't had to post anything to get around it, but I would say you're not the only account that I've seen using like very creative um, workarounds for like any type of like language that might get flagged. Um, so I'm curious, do you guys I, I should know this. Do you cross post to Instagram reels? We don't, okay. but that is an avenue that I have considered um, using. Like we have posted some of our TikTok videos to, to our Instagram, but uh, we don't regularly do that. Um, I kind of try to to get people to follow us on TikTok, whether or not that works, I don't know. I kind of like teasing our videos. Um, but you are right, we could probably increase our reach by posting two reels. I was also just curious if it would like censor on Instagram, but not on, not on TikTok. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. So what do you think, Bryn? So I'm trying to imagine myself as a lab like yours, um, that's maybe doing work in a space where, you know, the condition um, it does affect a, a younger generation and it might benefit them to access that community. So imagine me as this, you know, cautious researcher that 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 does want to get access to that population and has evidence ready for dissemination and somebody says what about tiktok you know what do we what, what do you say to them about even just testing the waters like is that something you can do can you just go on and observe for a little while or you know i don't expect you to have sort of the the silver bullet answer um but really just, you know, pros and cons for joining and where to start even, um, because it, it does seem, I, I'm familiar with social media and I, I even feel like it's a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, and I would really empathize with um, those who do think it's overwhelming, overwhelming because I still find TikTok overwhelming. It is an overwhelming <laughs> platform. There is a lot going on all at the same time. Um, and the idea of potentially like getting involved in that platform by posting yourself can be really daunting. I still get super nervous posting some videos, um, because you are opening yourself up to a potential huge audience. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely feel for those who are, who are nervous about it. I would highly recommend, uh, kind of engaging with that fear and trying it out. Um, so getting onto the platform, 
taking some swipes through, seeing what's going on, um, seeing like searching for potential communities that you could uh, be involved in or, or engage with. Uh, with by like hashtags or by certain sounds, certain key phrases. Um, and, you know, if that appeals to you, um, maybe posting a video or maybe like using the trends. I find using those trends uh, a really is a really good way of getting into TikTok without putting yourself fully out there because you are just kind of following along with what other people are doing. You're just adapting the caption or the text in there to suit your uh, to suit your interests or your goals or your research. Um, and so you're not fully putting yeah. your own self there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a bit of a safer, it's yeah. a safer first step. Yeah. Are there, obviously we'd love to plug the the UBC sexual health research TikTok and we'll make sure we include that in the show notes because it sounds like you know half a million views is amazing I'm sure folks will be keen to check you out and see what uh, yeah you and Hannah have been up to are there any other you know um, sort of health research folks that you've seen on the platform that you think yeah this is this is cool. They're getting some really good engagement. So one account that I absolutely love is the VCH Vancouver Coastal Health Health Talk. Their, um, I think their name is vch.healthtalk. And the person who runs that account is hilarious. She is so funny and engaging. And the videos that she posts are actually about like, current trending health concerns like she posted one about getting uh, the flu vaccine and she really <laughs> like adapts it into what would be you know popular on tiktok um and so i and and she's local so yeah uh, i highly recommend checking that out um of course uh dr jen gunter is on tiktok she does a lot more of uh, disseminating uh, health information and um, kind of tackling misinformation on TikTok. So she's a really great source for that. Um, there are some other just local uh, sexual health creators. Uh, there's one in that we've actually worked with before. Um, she's local to Ontario, uh, Eva Bloom. I think her TikTok is What's My Body Doing? Uh, she's also a really great educational space. Uh, there's just so many people, so many more people are getting involved with TikTok, which makes me so happy and seeing all of these sexual health and, or just health related, uh, organizations kind of like dipping their toes into it and, you know, getting their information out there to an, a younger audience is just fantastic. Oh, that is perfect. Thank you, Bryn. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited um, for folks to hear about this and, and hopeful that, you know, we can include some resources for them to consider TikTok and potentially get started. And um, I guess just um, thinking about it, are you 
Um, and is the lab open even if, if folks, after we publish this podcast, if they have questions about TikTok um, and using it in sort of a research team context, would you be open to hearing from, from folks? Absolutely. Yes, please. I don't know if you'd include my email <laughs> in the <laughs> show notes or um, direct yeah, them to our website or, or whatnot, or our TikTok, message us through TikTok or Instagram. Um, I would be happy to talk to anyone who is interested in getting involved with TikTok, just because I, I, I think it's such an incredible platform for engagement, and it really is the future of social media. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sold. Um, yeah, no, it does. It does sound like, especially the human factor, right? There's something about the element of like, what is seemingly a peer talking to you in a very concise way as well. Um, thanks, Bren. Really appreciate your time being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a really fun discussion. And we hope everyone else enjoyed it perhaps a part two. Thanks, everyone. If you have an idea for an episode or have some research of your own to share, let us know. Send us an email at whri.communications at cw.bc.ca. For more information about WHRI, follow us on social media using the handle at Women's Research or check out our website at whri.org.